Welcome. So in this section, we wanted to really look at what this instruction on the pastoral conversion of parishes at the service of evangelization has to say about, you know, the vision, that, that call to conversion and some of what it's really emphasizing, because uh, it casts a spotlight on so much that that's rich for us to mm. explore. So speak, first of all, Father James, yeah, as, as you read this, you know, what is it really telling us about what a parish exists to do? Well, it's... There is, a, I think, a, an increased sense of urgency and, and intensification of the language that is u- used here. But again, in the tradition of Pope Paul VI, Evangelii, Nunciandi, but we hear that the church exists for evangelization, that that's the, the vocation proper to the church. And then the missionary option outlined by Pope Francis in Evangelii Gaudium 27, the, the missionary option, the missionary impulse capable of transforming everything or times and schedules or ways of doing things or our vocabulary or structures, uh, that they may be suitably channeled for the evangelization of today's world and not for our self-preservation. It actually quotes that right at the beginning of, of, of the document. So this is a, simply a reminder of this. Now, this is easier said than done uh, because, again, it's one thing to, to cast vision and, and there's uh, a in many ways, a new enunciation of this vision in in the first six sections of this of, of, of this document. It's another thing to actually implement that. But we need to start with vision. We need to be reminded about it because, again, vision leaks in the day-to-day activities when we deal with so many incoming realities, when we're overwhelmed with the urgency of so many uh, pressing things. It's very easy to forget our why. And this document begins strongly, very strongly, leaning into that why in a really, really beautiful way that the, that the fundamental call of a parish is to be not a self-referential community, but a community that communities that go out from themselves to be therefore missionary. So what do you mean when you say vision leaks? Well, it's, a, it's again, it's about the why, right? So why I've, any, all of us have experienced things when we're in the, the heat of the day and we're working and it's, it's not much fun. We're not having fun anymore. And someone turns to another person and says, why are we doing this again? Like, where is it that we're going? What, like, where is it we're trying to go? Mm. Like, if you forget that, if, if, if that leaves your heart, then it's going to be very, very difficult to do the work of moving in the direction that this document speaks about. Mm-hmm. So vision leaks, meaning that, that we forget. And so we need to be reminded over and over and over again. That's something I learned as a parish priest in my early days when I realized that it's not enough to speak about this, you know, once a year, twice a year, uh, vision leaks. We need to talk about it all the time. Oh, thank you. The other thing I was I was struck by, you know, in terms of what's what's our why in all of this is the the documents. Real challenging words for all of us around. This is not a why rooted in duty. It's not a why rooted in uh, because canon law says so or or because that's what's on the to do list. You know, it speaks of how what should break our hearts yes. is that in a time of such challenge. So many of our brothers and sisters do not know Christ and are walking through this without him. And I, I just, as a, you know, what is the driving engine here? The driving engine here is love and love yes. finds a way. Yeah, and it says that the, the beautiful passage about it, it, it ought to break our hearts that so many people don't know the Lord and, mm-hmm. and that they're going through life without knowing, you know, the, the taste of the bread of life or the, the, the guiding light of Jesus who is the light of the world. Yeah. yeah. And there were some really strong words in there as well. I, I was struck by them around, you know, that, that um, 
you know, we're, we're to respond to today's pastoral needs by doing two things. Yes, celebrating the sacraments. The Eucharist is a source and some of the sacraments are mm. hugely important to us. But there is also that non-negotiable call to proclaim the to proclaim the gospel, and th there's in in section 17 some startling words about how the demands um, are such that evangelization must be the cornerstone of all pastoral action. Yeah, in in fact, it says that missionary missionary zeal is is not just a, a part; it's a component of of pastoral care of all pastoral care. There should be a missionary dimension to it, but it also said something extraordinary. It said that missionary zeal is a kind of litmus test for the for the authenticity of all that we do as a church. And so that means that we've got to pause and kind of check ourselves and say, well, how are we doing with that? Because it's very easy again for our missionary zeal to be to to subside and be reduced. Uh, I'm thinking as well the the focus on evangelization because if if mission is effectively about going out, the question is going out to do what? And and we I think we go out to do a number of things. We go out to feed the hungry and to give drink to the thirsty, to to go to the least of these. Uh, but we also are called to go out to what Jesus himself called the lost. I mean, he used that term all the time. We can be a bit uncomfortable with that term the language of Jesus. And that's about the language to go out and to evangelize, to, to bring people, uh, the, the, to bring the good news, to bring people to Jesus. And the document makes this, uh, uses this great quote from Pope John Paul II from 1984, an address he gave to the congregation of clergy. And I'd never seen this quote before where he says, evangelization is the cornerstone of all pastoral action, the demands of which are primary, preeminent, and preferential. Wow. And the three Ps. These are a new set of three <laughs> Ps for me. Uh, the primary, preeminent, and preferential. You know, for years we've been saying that a key value or, or a key principle of Divine Renovation Ministry, one of the keys, is the primacy of evangelization. I didn't know this came from John Paul II. I suppose it did, but but it's primary, it's preeminent, and preferential. Now, what does that actually mean? Or what does that actually look like? And how is it, how is it in... Um, incarnated in parish communities. You know, Vatican documents for the most part are short on the how. They're not going to get into the specifics. Why? Because there's too many contexts. This is, we are a universal church. And again, the, the how in one particular place, we're quite clear about that in our own ministry as well, doesn't necessarily work in another place. You need to know where it is you're going, why you're doing it, and give us some you know, some guiding line, you know, what, what what are the lines that we can't cross and let that be worked out in, in local context. But these are very beautiful and, and inspiring words. It's in fact, it says that in section four, the title of section four is that uh, mission is the guiding principle of renewal. Mm -hmm. So mission, the call to mission, the call to be that church that goes out is to, is to guide everything. Thank you. And I know the, the thing I was struck by with this document as well is it, it gives us a new frame of reference for thinking through what a parish actually is, a reference that's hugely timely uh, in these these days when in so many ways parishes about to close their physical doors yeah. and lean much more heavily into uh, a, a broader, richer understanding of their identity. Just explore a bit with us what the document has to say in that space. Yeah, it, it's quite clear in the in the canonical section later on, which will address that that simply changing physical structures isn't going to be enough if we don't have this internal transformation. And we've known that, you know, it 
physical restructuring uh, in many places is a necessary step, but effectively it brings you to the beginning line. And the rest is, is not about a conversion of structure, it's a conversion of hearts. And it's that whole idea of, of missionary zeal. Um, like that's really the work of the Holy Spirit in our, in our own hearts. And the document is, it uses quite strong language to talk about what will happen if we don't have that corresponding uh, co conversion. And some of these things, sadly, some very, very familiar. In, in paragraph 16, it says this, that the parish appears to, like when, it, when that pastoral mm -hmm. conversion doesn't happen, the parish appears to be more interested in preserving a nostalgia of former times as opposed to looking to the future with courage. It's mm -hmm. a huge thing. You see, a parish that's on mission looks to the future. It, and it's, talk about a litmus test. Here's a litmus test. In, your, in the parish conversations, are you talking more about the past than you are about the future? Are you, are you about preserving what was or are you, about, are you about looking forward and getting ready to build what could be, what can be, what will be? Uh, and the document also says, you know, to do to do so with courage, to look to the future with courage. We've got to have courage. It's very easy to to lose uh, hope and to be fearful because we see so many things changing. So um, these are stark words uh, to preserve a nostalgia of former times. They are, and that, I'm struck by the fact that that call to courage is to a holy boldness. Because it's a boldness that is rooted in the fact that Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. And so when we answer his call to go make disciples, we do so not in our own strength. We do so in the strength of the Holy Spirit. And we expect God to act. And, and, and this is the self-donation and self-gift. Yeah. I mean, how did Jesus give himself for the church? He, he laid down his life. He was broken. And yet we're like, well, Lord, I want to follow you, but uh, I don't want to lay anything down and I don't want to be broken. Mm -hmm. I don't want uh, my structure to be broken, the things that I'm familiar, the things that nostalgically give me comfort. I don't want them to be broken. You know, it, it goes on to say in, in the next paragraph in, in, in paragraph 17, and I wrote in the margins, I wrote, wow, I couldn't believe they actually <laughs> said this. Listen to this, he said, moreover, mere repetitive action that fails to have an impact upon people's concrete lives remains a sterile attempt at survival which is usually welcomed by general indifference. <laughs> oh, man. It's not pulling that's any punches. Like, that is that strong language. And mere repetitive action. Here's the thing. In parishes, we often, we do things that we've always done. And even for many people, in, in the, as the COVID-19 pandemic progresses, and as we see in many ways a, re a reopening of buildings, one of the questions that many parishioners ask is, okay, so when are we going to start that up again? When are we going to, when are we start going to go, going back to repeating a whole bunch of things that don't actually have a concrete impact on people's lives? Mm -hmm. Hurry up. Cause that's what we're supposed to be doing, isn't it? Yeah. Let's get back and, to what we were doing. <laughs> and it's true. It's welcomed by general indifference. Why would I say that? Well, you know, in most places, anywhere from 80 to 95% of Catholics have walked from the church and we're not exactly attracting in new people. So it, our, our activities, have been met with general and, and uh, indifference. And then finally, it says this, that if the parish does not exude this, that spiritual dynamic of evangelization, so going back to your initial question, it runs the risk of becoming self-referential and fossilized. Again, there's very much an echo of Pope Francis here, offering experiences that are devoid of evangelical flavor and missionary drive <laughs> of interest only to small groups. Ooh. 
That's not pulling a punch, is it? But sadly, that that describes a lot of our realities. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things I appreciate about this document is that, you know, I talk about this first section being one about vision, but a corresponding um, uh, aspect of speaking about vision, about where we want to go, is also clearly uncovering where we are mm-hmm. and this does so it's firm it, it it's it, but it's but it's quite clear so this is where we are and this is where we want to go here are the guidelines now go do it mm-hmm. and i think with the go do it the other thing for me is is that the document while not setting out specifics does unpack some of the dimensions mm. which this conversion uh, of of the the pastoral conversion of the parish is going to need to tackle so you know we, we've touched on some already how you know whatever we're doing missionary zeal is going to be the litmus test yes. of its authenticity uh, there is a clarion call for the need to review structures in the service of mission not the other way round and that's you know that, that's challenging words. Um, there's also some some unpacking of well, what what is the correct understanding of where where the sacraments, especially the the Eucharist, is sourced and somewhat of our faith fit into uh, a picture and a, and a way of understanding the parishes focused on evangelization. And and it's really clear that 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 both end of the call to holiness and the call to mission that we find set out in the Vatican II Council documents and echoed in subsequent documents again is surfacing here. You know, it's a non-negotiable both and not a multiple choice pick one I mean, the, 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 the eucharist is known to, in many cultures as the mass the misa which yeah. is the comes from the the missio Sent. it's the come from the sending I mean, the, the eucharist is a, is a launch pad to be an outward focused non-self self-referential church to be that church that goes out and yet what was meant to be the source and the summit that that the the act of worship that the eucharist is uh in many parishes is the only thing that happens so it's not the source of anything and it's not the summit of anything um but at the heart of a vibrant parish is is the celebration of the eucharist when when you you gather people together so often in our lived realities the eucharist is not about gathering it's about scattering we have multiplication of masses in in multiplication of places that are not necessarily necessary and so that's we need to again examine our consciences around that as a church are we is the eucharist truly about bringing people together gathering so people can be can be sent that's at the heart of it also the document does a great job in speaking about um the the, the currency of renewal is really relationships. Mm-hmm. And it goes so far as to radically and, and openly proclaim that that you cannot simply define a parish as a geographic boundary anymore. Because a missionary parish, mission happens through relationships and people build relationships where they find themselves at work and at play with their families. And those relationships do not respect geographical <laughs> boundaries. And so, and even the digital sphere, it talks about that new reality and we don't quite understand what that means for us today. So I think that's remarkable that it openly speaks about that, the importance of community, communities of communities. And it speaks about uh, accompaniment, the process of accompaniment, which is, which I think is so important important to actually you know, meet people where they are and walk with them. Uh, that term accompaniment is important. Some people react to it and say, well, that's just about, you know, being being light on the demands of the Christian life. No, it, it's about walking with people and actually bringing them to a particular place. But it does begin with the principle of belonging. And the document actually says this, that, that in many ways, 
a parish must be a place that brings people together and fosters long-term personal relationships, thereby giving people a sense of belonging and being wanted. And so that the parish community is called truly to master the art of accompaniment. And that in our experience through using relational tools, relational charismatic tools like Alpha, which lead into small groups, uh, has been a, an incredible way to see this art of accompaniment, to see people literally coming from no church background or outside of the church to being evangelized, growing spiritually, growing in holiness, coming to the sacraments and, and acknowledging and recognizing their gifts and serving in, in ministry and leadership in, in the church. There was a, a really thought-provoking point in uh, paragraph 24, which is around how the, the rediscovery of brotherhood is paramount and central to evangelization. And I, I was just really struck by the just how thought-provoking that statement is, because what it says is we cannot adopt a, you believe what we tell you to believe, behave the way we require of you, That's and right. then we'll let you belong. We've yes. got to be willing to go out to the peripheries, get bruised, money, dirty, and smell yep. of the sheep, and love people where they are at, not for the purposes of accepting and normalizing what's wrong, but for yeah. the purposes of accompanying them on a journey that lets them meet Christ, fall in love with him, encounter him radically, and that transforms everything. And just pray through the gospels. This was yeah. the method of Jesus. This yeah. is what he did. He, he, he didn't say to Zacchaeus, look, Zacchaeus, you know, change your sort life. Sort yourself and, out. <laughs> sort yourself out, then I'll come and have supper with you. Yeah. He said, hey, Zacchaeus. It's, I'm coming to your house for I'm supper. I'm coming for dinner. On What's now. on? <laughs> and after that encounter and experiencing that love and sense of belonging, he it does lead to life transformation. Yeah, and that yeah. you know that life transformation as well. You know, as as the document reflects on the whole process of the you know, initiation. In effect, there's a call to reboot our approach to sacramental initiation Absolutely. because it is unflinching in saying that what we are calling people to is a sequela Christi, a following of Christ, not a duty to fulfill a rite of passage. And in some ways, so much has been stripped away in the current pandemic, not least uh, the, the the norms of how we would, we would have brought people into the church at Easter. And yet there is a moment of opportunity here, a moment to reconsider and reimagine how we, in, we initiate it's people into absolutely, the faith. Absolutely, and this is part of the, the, the great timing of this document because, you know, <laughs> Here's the thing. You can't just talk about the, the, the new, th the things we should start doing. Because the number one thing that stops us from starting doing the things that we should be doing is the fact that we haven't stopped doing all the other things yes. that we shouldn't have been doing. <laughs> and, and now the pandemic has solved that for, for us. In most places, most of the things that we needed to stop have been stopped. So, so please, let's not restart them indiscriminately. Let's really give, let's take the time, let's discern, let's see this time as a gift, and let's take this document and really pray with it, discuss it with your pastoral staff, get it out to your your parishioners, to your key ministry leaders, and and really honestly, let, let's say, what does this really mean for us? Because we've been given a time like no other to begin to, to make some key decisions. And it does speak about that missionary conversion as being about a decision. Let's let's make those decisions now. But it does, and the final point I think that jumped out for me was the the rich vision the document has for the role of all the baptized. It is categorically clear that you know the the in, in sections thirty eight and thirty nine you know that the baptized are protagonists of evangelization. This is this is not for some subset of people. And as not only that, but the one of the duties of the of parish leaders and the pastor is to is to is to grow that awareness, is to make sure that the baptized have owned their, their identity as protagonists.
It is. And we'll get into that, I think, in the, the next section where we start to unpack what are some of the insights that canon law can offer us in this space so that we, we proceed within the, within the right guardrails. <laughs>